Welcome to the Lifestyle First podcast, discussing lifestyle medicine and making self-care as easy as one, two, three. One question, two research reviews, and three actionable health tips, all centered around the Lifestyle First method, your blueprint for the 10 key roots of optimal health and happiness. And now your host, lifestyle medicine physician and coach, Dr. Alka Patel. Hi, hey, and hello, and welcome to Series 8, Episode 8 of the Lifestyle First podcast. And the theme that we are exploring today is L for learning habits. And the one question that we're talking about is, how can we cultivate early habits of the mind? Now, to help answer that question, I have with me Dr. Benna Kalik, who is the co-founder of the Institute for Habits of Mind. Benna is also the co-author of the book, Leading Learning Organizations with Habits of Mind. And she teaches organization about the 16 habits of mind. So welcome, Benna. It really is lovely to be speaking with you today. Thank you. It's nice to be here, sort of. You know, we get to go all over the world very easily. (laughs) Absolutely. Time travel is what I call it. (laughs) Amazing. Now, you say that to create a habit, we need to use our mind. So maybe you could expand on that to start with. Tell us exactly what are habits of mind? Well, it's not to create a habit. You'd have to have a mind. I mean, it helps. But actually, habits of mind is really saying there are many different habits. Some people have the habit of uh, biting their fingernails. That's a habit. Some people have the habit of smoking. That's a habit. What we're talking about is specifically habits of mind, meaning these are habits that are designed to help you to use your mind well, to actually consider that your habit is one of being a more and as improved and as good and effective thinker as possible. So what we're saying is that when, for example, you use one of our habits, let's say thinking flexibly, notice what that does is it's asking your mind that when you are in a situation and you're really not sure what it is you're supposed to do, you may come up with one idea or you may think alternatively of many ideas. And so then you're thinking flexibly. So the idea of the habit is that you begin to get in your in your mindset that you say, oh, you know, I wonder what habit would help me most in this situation. And as Art Costa and I, as the co-authors of this work have talked about, we say that largely it's what do you do when you're just not sure what to do? That's when you have to start using your habits of mind. Right. Thank you for, for explaining that. So you and your co, uh, author, your co-founder have identified these 16 habits, haven't you? Now, perhaps there are more, perhaps there are less, perhaps we don't call on them all the time. Can you tell us how you came to these 16? Yeah, and you're so right. I mean, this is just our kind of doing the research mm-hmm. and trying to understand which we felt were the ones that would be the most powerful in terms of driving more effective thinking. So, and we looked at work that was done in the field of cognitive psychology. We looked at work that was done in the social and emotional learning. We looked at work that was being done by people such as Jean Piaget, such as um, people like Daniel Goleman and his work on emotional intelligence, such as people who were 
uh, kind of working on David Perkins, who works on the idea from Harvard of what does it mean to be a thinker. So it was like going through a lot of different kinds of people who were thinking about this, philosophers, uh, educators, cognitive psychologists, and so on, and saying, is there something we see that keeps popping up? So when somebody says, for example, Edward de Bono, who is a great contributor to this field, and when de Bono would talk about his think hats, and he will say there's six thinking hats, we noticed that he started to talk about this in the same way that somebody else would be saying, well, for example, Reuven Feuerstein, when he talked about the idea of how do you really develop a learning experience for someone who is cognitively impaired? And the two said pretty much patterns of the same thing. <clears throat> One thing you have to do is manage your impulsivity. You can't assume that the first thing you think of is the only thing to think of. You have to start thinking about what else might be going on. You have to stand back and you have to ask yourself, can I wait before I jump in and do something? So as we started to look, we saw thinking flexibly, persisting, which we see is essential now to all people who are trying to do the living and the learning in our crazy world today, that persisting is really essential. But also, again, understanding, having a global perspective, being able to under, understand all of these things. So what was interesting with, was that our research started 30 years ago, and it's as important today as it was 30 years ago. So that's kind of very affirming to us that these patterns of behavior that really develop and are necessary for really improving your thinking are really important over many, many years. Thank you for sharing that. So there's something there about the development of these patterns of thinking, because that's what you're describing, aren't you? Perhaps 16 patterns of thinking that we become used to or perhaps should become used to in order to allow ourselves to manage difficult situations. It's all very well when things are going well, but it's when you're having to make challenging decisions or think differently that these habits seem to be more important. And of course, habits take time to develop. Nothing is instantaneous, is it? So if we shift to thinking about our early years then, Ben, and I know a lot of your work focuses on sort of our childhood development and infiltrating habits into our early years. What sort of things can, can parents, teachers, or anybody listening here who is involved in work with, with younger children, um, has younger children, how do we start to impregnate some of, this, uh, some of this work? Talk about perhaps managing impulsivity. How do you manage that uh, in, your, in your early years? It's hard enough as an adult, but what about as a child? Yeah, well, I mean, that's actually what sometimes is interesting to me is Young children gravitate to this sometimes more easily than as we get adolescents and as we get older. In other words, <clears throat> I think young children see this as something that's kind of exciting, you know, to think about. So of course, managing impulsivity, they're not like thrilled to have to wait. But on the other hand, if you say to them, you know, you can wait, you can just stop. One of the things that I saw in a beautiful little kindergarten classroom, and kindergarten is what, young children, five years old. And the teacher was doing managing impulsivity with the kids because 
she needed to help them to be able to understand. You can't always just jump right in. You can't just blurt out an answer just because you think you have one. And so she said, Benna, come in. I want you to see what I've taught my kids. And I go in her classroom and she stands there and she says to the kids, okay, what do we need to do when we have to manage our impulsivity? And every little kid said, stop, think before you act. And, <laughs> and they got it. And so when they were doing something, all she had to do was yeah. And so you got the kinesthetic, you got the signaling of it, and the kids got it and they understood it. Now, were they perfect? Of course not. They're growing. And as they're growing, they're developing the habit. But the idea is that you can have some, you, you have intention of getting them to pay attention to that in their own being. I love that idea that there's, as you say, there's the kinesthetic, there's the visual, there's the auditory. You really are able to pull in on all your senses that, that are important. I think one of the 16 habits that you talk about as well is gathering data through all your senses, so using all of your senses. Do you think we do that enough? Well, you know, right now, looking at everything that we're doing with climate change, we really should be doing that even more. Because when we think about it, it's such a scientific way of coming about the world that we can go and we can pay attention. And that although we may see something that's happening, we may need to take it in in more ways than one. We may need to really pay attention to that. Or just this morning, actually, before this conversation, I was working with the teacher and she's a French teacher. And she was saying, you know, I'm trying to get the students to really understand the language. But you know, to understand a language, you have to gather data from all of your senses. In order to understand French, you better know the beauty of the smell of that bakery. You better know something more about what it is about taste that the French people culturally are so proud of. What is it that we know about the way they use their senses to define themselves as a culture? So we can begin to think about it in very large ways, and in very small ways, but it's about paying attention. It's about observing. It's about allowing yourself to realize that there's more than one way to know something. And to know something, we want to know it as fully and as completely as we can. Some of these concepts sound very adult, don't they? Some of these 16 habits that you that you talk about. Another one that you mentioned is thinking with clarity and precision. And yet somehow I feel that you managed to translate these 16 habits to the fun of childhood, the curiosity of childhood. How do you explain some of these concepts in those, again, back to those early years? How do you explain a concept such as how do you think with clarity and precision? Okay, well, I mean, again, it's what we tried very hard to do was to create a language that's enough of a common sense, common language that people could use it, learn it, understand it. And I see, you know, we have a number of books where parents' books, where we look at how do you do this at home? But one of the things that we can say, for example, with clarity and precision. So my little child says, oh, mommy, that is so cool. What can I say for clarity and precision? Well, I could say, yeah, 
I understand you're saying it's cool. Tell me about it. What makes it cool? That's clarity and precision. In other words, I can take any of those jargony words, any of those emojis, any of those things that are trying to compact and get across something and just ask them to elaborate on it. Help me understand that. And what's really interesting is that we begin to help our children learn how to speak beyond some of the jargon to actually begin to elaborate and to talk and to describe. I really want to go to that movie because my, all my friends say it's the best movie ever. What made it best for them? Tell me a little bit more about that. What do you suppose they really liked about that the most? It isn't hard to keep elucidating from our children that development of thinking. And that's really what we're after. We're after them becoming more clear, more precise, more able to describe what they see, what they feel, how they understand things, because that is really developing the habit of mind, the development of cultivating good thinking. And it sounds from what you're describing then that that cultivation in those early years in the children of today is what perhaps will create the leaders of tomorrow as well. Do you feel these are actually also adult leadership skills that you're teaching? Well, that's the hope. If you look at our mission on our website, that is the hope. It's to be kept to, we are working for a more thoughtful world. And when we say thoughtful, we mean two things. We mean full of thought and also thoughtful, meaning caring and sensitive. And so we're really trying to help people understand Right now, we see, for example, in the United States right now, we see so many polarities, so much division, and it's sad. And yet what we can say is it's not that we don't have differences, but that if we learned how to listen to one another with understanding and empathy, one of the habits, we would be able to say, I don't need to agree with you to understand your perspective. I don't need to agree with you to have empathy for your understanding and where you are and how you feel about that. I can understand that. And somehow, if I can take that enough willingness to see that, and then if I can be thinking flexibly, meaning I'm willing to entertain other perspectives than my own, I can begin to understand where we might find some common ground. But as long as I am able to listen with understanding and empathy and open my mind to your thinking, the more likely I am to find that common ground. And it's interesting because nothing short of this pandemic has told us that we are global. And if we can only learn how to really live with one another in a global, from a global perspective, then we will have a world that is willing to face the kinds of problems we have to solve and which there are many. And that's one of the reasons why I feel so strongly the habits of mind are so valuable and important in school, because we're really helping our students learn through the habits of mind to become problem solvers, not just to be able to say back what you learned because you memorized it, but to say back what you learned because you understand it well enough and you're willing to be a problem solver. So I think that's what we need in this world. Thank you for that. I think that's uh, 
that really does bring it all together in terms of the meaning behind all of this. Why are we trying to cultivate these incredibly powerful habits of, of the mind at whatever stage of our life we're at, whether it's in childhood, in adulthood, whichever positions we have, whether we're parents or, or leaders, there's real space and scope for, for all of this. And as you're talking, Ben, I'm really intrigued by the, what I'm hearing is the interconnectivity between all of these habits. I guess if, if you listen with, understanding and empathy you're going to perhaps allow yourself to think more clearly and if you think more clearly you're going to manage your impulsivity and if you manage that impulsivity you're going to be thinking more flexibly as well so there really does seem to be this connect you talk about connection globally but even within those 16 habits of your mind in your internal globe of your mind there really is a connectivity so I wonder about whether if you start working on one of these habits whether you've noticed a ripple into others also more automatically becoming easier or more tangible or more more visible absolutely absolutely i mean what you've said is so true and what happens is that <clears throat> first we always say there's no such thing as mastery with these habits it's really a matter of being more willing to be what we would call metacognitive you're willing to have it inside your head. And the more it serves as a moral compass for you, the more likely you will have that inside your head. So yes, there's always the clusters of habits that occur. And it's not one thing alone. It's But when you begin to learn how to build this language in your head, it's very helpful. So for example, I might, and for adults, I think it's sometimes harder for adults to live by the habits. They'd rather teach them to the young people than live by them themselves. So in fact, when you said, well, what can I do modeling it as a parent? That's, you know, am I willing to say, you know, I know it's hard to say something more than just, oh, that's awesome. Because I sometimes do the same thing. But when I stop and I think, I realize. I have to really ask myself, was it really so awesome? Like what was so great about it? So I can talk like that to my kids because I'm working on it myself. And I am finding that I need to pay attention to that as well. <clears throat> so for example, there are times when I have had this, I'm sure everybody who listens, including perhaps you have had this experience. You're in a meeting and the meeting is going on and on. And you just feel like, I just don't feel like I can work with this group another minute. I don't have time for this. And the question is, do I have both the courage and the responsibility to call time out on the meeting? To just say, you know what? I'd like to stop for a minute because the meeting isn't working for, you, for me. And one of the reasons is because I don't think we're listening with understanding and empathy to one another. Everybody is talking on top of everybody else. And I'm just having a really hard time paying attention to what each other is saying. Could we just slow up right now and really listen? Now that is really saying that I not only believe that these habits are important for me, but I'm willing to bring them to a group and ask the group to live by them as a way for us to get along better and differently. And as we're doing that, I'm striving for accuracy. I'm beginning to say, I want us to be more clear about what we're saying. So decisions we make will have a greater chance of accuracy. They'll be better informed. 
So yes, of course, when you do one, you do more than one. But when you do more than one, it all comes together. And as long as you kind of begin to think in this situation, what would be the best one for me to pay attention to? I think that's where you begin to get the sense of, it's not that all 16 don't work, but in this situation, perhaps in this meeting that I'm in, the best thing that I can do is finding humor. Because if I can relieve the tension in the room, I'm sure we get to talking to one another a little better. So maybe finding humor works here. But I have that as my toolkit. So I would say my habits of mind are always in my backpack. And then I can decide which ones I choose and why I'm choosing it and when I'm choosing it. So there seems to be huge applicability. It sounds as though starting with just some self-awareness is a really important starting point, isn't it? Be aware of your thinking, be aware of your conscious decision-making. You mentioned needing a bit of courage at times as well, but then that comes back to purpose and reason why are you calling out in this meeting because there's a reason behind it because you want the best output not just for yourself but for for others and whatever that meeting is about so uh there really is something about thinking about the reason that actually you want to cultivate some of these um incredible habits of mind the more you're talking about them the more that i'm recognizing so many different scenarios in which they could be so easily applicable we've talked about so many already persisting and striving for accuracy and finding humor we're not we don't do that enough do we and there are so many so um i really value everything that you're sharing at the moment with us uh, with us benna and now here is your lifestyle first prescription your three activating actions to take you from knowing to doing. Um, we could keep talking. I think we could deep dive into even just one of these at, at such a level, couldn't we? But um, I wonder if perhaps you could to leave us with three wholesome actions for people listening today who perhaps this is new and new concepts for, uh, for listeners, these 16 habits. Perhaps you could give us some actions to just get us started Sure. Well, I mean, I think, first of all, the most important thing is to care, to really say, like, I really do care about the way this world is working right now. I want my kids to grow up in a world that is a more compassionate, gentler, thoughtful place. And so I'm going to pay attention to that. So I say the first thing is to care. And then the second thing is to pay attention, to notice, to be able to say, you know, seeing this situation, I can realize I might have done it differently and I think I'd like to try to do it differently. And then I would say another takeaway from it could be that you just go to the website and you look at what are these 16 habits and you begin to ask yourself, you know, is there one that I could just set as a goal for myself? Like for example, I know that I am so impatient these days because the world is moving so rapidly and what I'm going to do is I'm going to think about persisting and taking, managing my impulsivity. The two go very nicely together. So I'm going to set that as a goal for myself. And when I do, the first thing I have to think about is not just the label, now I'm going to be persisting, but also the strategy. And what can I do to help myself to persist? So having a strategy. For example, you can just say, and when I'm persisting, 
the thing that a second grade child told me, I said, what helps you when you're really stuck and, and you can't get it done? What's the best thing that you can do? And he said, well, I walk away from it. I eat some chocolate and then I go back and I feel much better about doing it. So maybe you can just try walking away and eating some chocolate. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. Oh, to hear those words from, from a little voice is, is delightful, isn't it? Um, and as you say, these are things that we should be carrying through with us as, as adults as well. Just walk away. We, we don't do that, do we? We stay in that moment. We, keep, keep th we think perseverance is about just sticking to it and doing more, but often it's exactly the opposite. Words of wisdom from a, from a young child uh, there. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Benna. So I will certainly put the links to your website um, onto um, the description because I think that visual that you've got on there is really useful in terms of being able to think about what do I want to pick from this then there will be some things you say that will resonate with everybody who really does have a look at those 16 habits of mind and and takes it upon themselves to commit to just trying something out and as you say have some fun with these habits as well you know just be curious and see what happens in your day in your week when when you try something out differently so so thank you so much so what is the where is the best place to um, find out more and and get to know a little bit more about your work I, I think the website is is fine mm -hmm. perfect okay I shall certainly put put all of those uh, links out um, for, for listeners as well, Benna. Thank you. Thank you so much. This really has been um, an, a mind-opening conversation and certainly uh, revealed some um, incredible habits that uh, I think even if we have one place to start would make a difference in that ripple effect around the globe, as is your, as is your mission. So, so thank you so much for sharing, uh, sharing your words. Thank, thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Very welcome, which now simply leaves me to wish everybody listening a happy, healthy day. Thanks for joining us on the Lifestyle First podcast, making self-care as easy as one, two, three. Don't forget to subscribe and share, and we'd love it if you'd be kind enough to leave a review. To learn more or to arrange a consultation, please visit www.dralkapatel.com. See you next time.